0: As I was closing up for the night, I thought about all the movies that had been discussed in the spoiler room. That was when the temperature in the room changed. I went to the thermostat and it said it was 52 degrees KB. Suddenly I found myself in a maze of movie posters. No matter what direction I went, each path led me back to one actor, Kevin Bacon. That was when it was clear what I had to do. When I snapped out of it, I added bacon to the menu. 2020 was going to be an interesting year in the spoiler room. Yes, my friends, the dish we're serving tonight is bacon borscht. Yes, that's right. It is 52 degrees of Kevin Bacon all year here in the spoiler room. It is 52 degrees KB, and I have today with me a fantastic crew member to talk about white knights now how is white knights connected well we had started with footloose and footloose had john lithgow who was in 2010 in 2010 he was with helen mirren and helen mirren is in tonight's movie which is white knights and yes the diva of the spoiler room Herself, the very talented Dawn, is with me to talk about this film from 1985. Hello, Dawn. How are you? Oh, I am fine. Hard day at the, uh,
1: <clears throat>
0: in the mines. <laughs> well we're glad you could emerge from the mines long enough to talk about this very interesting film that in all honesty this was watching it from end to end was a first watch for me so holy cow yeah well when it came out in 85 the story uh i was 10 so for me it wasn't exactly a ooh, I've got to see that at that age. So I had seen bits and pieces on cable, but yeah, I had not seen, uh, watched it from end to end, White Nights, and never really uh, visited, came back to it. And now I'm regretting that I didn't watch it sooner. So did you want to give the synopsis of it tonight?
1: So first, not only did I see it, when it came out, I saw it on opening night.
0: Wow, nice. It was my birthday, cool. It's your birthday. Go Dawn. It's your birthday? Okay. It was it was. That's a, when it that, came out. It's always a fun uh, birthday present to uh, uh-huh. to yourself to go see a movie premiere on that night for a cinema files because I've done yeah. that a couple of times too. so uh, and and you like this film, don't you? I yes, <laughs> quite a bit,
1: <sighs> yes,
0: as a matter of fact,
1: quite a bit. There's lots of. Lots and lots of reasons I like this film that have more to do with it, that, that that actually don't have anything to do with the film itself. Um, <laughs> nice. Just very, very happy memories. Awesome. Um, so, sure. Um, <clears throat> Nikolai Rochenko, a ballet dancer, is flying between... Uh, performances on his way from one in, I forget where they were in Europe, then they're going to Tokyo when the plane they're on has electrical problems and they crash in Siberia. Um, uh, Rochenko had defected from the Soviet Union to the United States eight years prior and was a convicted criminal in Russia, so he's crashed. Crashing in uh, Siberia was very, very bad. Um, gets concussion. Gets collected by the KGB. Uh, the KGB set him up with uh, Raymond Greenwood. That would be Gregory Hines. Oh my goodness! What? Okay, I won't start with that yet. Um, so they set him up with Raymond Greenwood and his wife. Uh, Ray is a tap dancer in syria because that's that's what they they have tap dancers in siberia in the 80s um and ray was a also a defector he had uh defected from the vietnam war as an american soldier to russia because he couldn't cope with many things you know the whole post-traumatic stress disorder bad bad naughty evil things um anyway so the kgb sets those two up together uh, and Ray is supposed to convince Nikolai to dance for Mother Russia again. And um, they, through diversity, become friends and try to escape together, except that things don't go entirely according to plan. And Nikolai and Ray's wife escape, but Ray gets caught. This is not a funny movie. It's a heart-wrenching thrilling suck you in and keep you there movie this thing was two hours and 15 minutes long and i did not realize that until this afternoon i have watched it a whole bunch of times and every single time i've always thought it was too short
0: it moves and yeah you feel like there could be more to this film (laughs) i was i was
1: working on a project i I watched it again today i watched Mm. i've actually watched it a few times this week (laughs) um but i was uh, working on a project uh while watching this today and sheldon looks over and he goes and and he just couldn't believe i had stopped everything i was doing and just staring at the tv
0: (laughs) well uh for those uh younger audience members out there who may not be familiar not only do you have uh you have here basically Mikhail Barishnikov as Nikolai and if you're not familiar when you grew up especially in the 80s Barishnikov was the guy. I mean when it came to dancing and ballet and he was the guy you heard his name all the time. Um mm-hmm. and I you know I was familiar with the name but dancing in that wasn't at that time at that age I was at I wasn't that interested into it and watching this film now they do an opening where you're introduced to uh the Nikolai character uh with uh him doing a performance on stage of I forgot the name of the place something muerto uh I think it was in Paris um and you look at what this man does holy uh-huh. the 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 way he moves his body is just amazing it's <laughs> the talent that is there the strength the control that he has i'm looking at some of the things he's doing and it's going it how how is that possible and a thing I noticed, too, if you
1: look at him, how he's built, because he's shirtless in this scene,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he is nothing, nothing but muscle. But he's not the bulky muscle that you see these days. Mm-mm. He is athletic, and he's, he's defined, but not in the same way that today's actors and athletes define. Mm-hmm. His is, is naturally built, not weightlifting.
0: Yeah. It and it's all on muscle control and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, muscle control if you want a clinic on muscle control, you watch this first opening 10 minutes of this film to where you see why Mikhail Baryshnikov was the guy uh, when it came to dancing because it's just amazing and here he was doing acting as well which, you know, you on stage as a as a dancer, he was already acting, but here, you know, there's more dialogue and such. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it surprises you. And I remember uh, people talking about this film quite a bit and him being in the film, uh, you know, which, I mean, he had done film before, uh, but just, I remember, it was kind of a, it was a big deal. He was in here with Gregory Hines, who is another... Oh, just talented individual talented. I don't think people talk about him enough. And in this film, wow. Um,
1: His Gregory Hines, when he passed at the, at the very young age of 57, that was a tragedy. That was a loss
0: to the entertainment community. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's interesting with white Knights and, and Don, I mean, you're, you're, your product of the 80s as well. It was interesting again for me watching this with more mature eyes. We actually have a kind of a reversal in your story from what you normally get from your Cold War propaganda that you had throughout the 80s. Here we have a US person who's a defector from his country and the Russian defector is more made out initially, when you first meet him, to be the better of the two people. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Usually in all these 80s stories, well, you know, it was always the Russian defector and the U.S. guy was helping, you know, the Russian defector adapt to American culture. Mm-hmm. But we don't get that here, do we? Definitely not. I mean, I mean. In fact, I th- you, you get the impression sometimes that Greenwood is more in tune with the Russian lifestyle currently than Nikolai. <laughs> in some ways, uh, or am I off on that?
1: <laughs> no, you're not off.
0: But... You're
1: not off. There's. It's definitely. It's definitely. They had very, very different lives. Yeah, they came from very, very different lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they they handled the writers handled that very well.
0: Yeah, they wanted to make sure you weren't getting two guys who were very similar. They're very two different individuals.
1: But they also, but the thing is, they they very much are similar. They're they just started out. They just ended up in different, you know what? They ended up in the same damn place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but would they start out at least maybe by, you know, by the end, they find well, the common ground through dance, obviously. Well, they both start out as dancers, mm-hmm. but brizhnikov because he went through,
1: because he was in ballet, became, uh, even though was been very talented, he became famous, renowned, uh, and venerated for his talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Hines, well, he's just another black man who knew TAP.
0: Right, yeah. They, as a matter of fact, they play the, he, he does that wonderful monologue. Yep, they do the monologue. whole sequence about it. He does that mm-hmm. wonderful monologue uh, that was, I think, in his apartment when, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Nikolai... Uh, is is actually already trying to figure out how he's going to get out of this and how he's going to get out of Russia and that and wondering why Raymond's here and Raymond, um, you know, because he's wondering, you know, why he defect from the U.S. Uh-huh. and Gregory Hines goes on a fairly long and it's it's not that much edited, so they did a number of longer takes with this of uh-huh. him going on about why and what is interesting is he because it's only 10 what 10 15 years out from the Vietnam war and Vietnam was definitely the subject of many films in uh, this time period uh, he doesn't actually mention Vietnam he mentions that the soldiers came to recruit in the the uh, in Brooklyn in the uh, you know the poverty stricken areas the 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 hood if you will for lack of a better term but mm-hmm. i don't I, he doesn't ever actually say Vietnam but and that's a sign of the times I think is everybody who's watching the film knows what he's talking about. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and, and I, I get you you enjoyed Gregory Hines quite a bit in this didn't
1: you? Oh my god, that the scene where they introduce Raymond's character when they're doing Porgy and Bess in Russian. Yeah. And he and he starts singing my every time I see it, every time I see it my heart just stops
0: yeah he's 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 just he's phenomenal in this film and especially in the first section of this movie where we're introduced to him um he's just he nails this character and uh you know you just become even though he's an american and defector the way he delivers his monologue on why he did what he did you immediately understand his character. You sympathize with him, and there's part of you that goes, "Yeah, okay." I may not exactly agree with the choice, but I can see why you made that choice. You know, and you don't really hold it too much against him
1: mm-hmm. at all
0: because you you find out there was consequences for his actions, and he's very mm-hmm. aware of the consequences. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Uh, well, the one thing they do have in common, uh, Don is uh, the same guy pulling uh, the strings, if you will Colonel uh, Chaco uh, Chico Chico. Excuse me. What'd you think of this guy? He was as
1: terrible as I'm going it's gonna sound for me to say it. He was a typical but good 80s villain, yes, not not evil but very cruel and very intelligent.
0: That they that was the big thing is intelligent. His his character um wasn't I mean he he was tr- the true snake. Mhm. You know, if he was a uh, animal he'd be a snake. And you learn Nikolai's got past history with him and Raymond's got current history with him which also uh-huh. kind of ties these two characters together because uh, the colonel is what, part of KGB um, uh-huh. and yeah i just loved the dynamic between these three i i really did um the way the way their characters interacted with one in, uh, one another in scenes um And and, in the direction, too, Don, what'd you think of how they set it up to where there's a lot of tension and implied bad stuff, but it's never, not always, well, most of the time, it's not exactly spelled out, but it hangs in the air. Wouldn't you say, uh, you know, what I'm saying with, with if you don't follow what the colonel is asking, you you know it's implied but no one ever really comes out and says exactly what's going to happen that
1: that actually that was done very well mm-hmm. but also that was just kind of a, kind of an accepted thing during the cold war right. with uh it it was just you knew i, I i'm you you just knew that things were bad
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it I think it's a hmm, is definitely a testament to how how it was directed and how the actors played it. and but it was an also it just an acceptance at the time. and I think that helped mm-hmm. create the feeling and made it be so. The film holds up, but part of it is if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. the f- the story is close to Berijnikov's actual what happened to him when he defected.
0: Yeah, I remember them mentioning something in some interviews that it was supposed to be like very close to almost like autobiographical in in many ways.
1: So so the performance by him mm. and the the and by Heinz having experienced so much racism because that was the time there was they couldn't help but have their real feelings be out there, not just acting.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's, there's more going on under the surface if for real world statements being made mm-hmm. through their performances. Um, and you feel that and it's no wonder how this film is directed so well, because this is the same director that gave us an officer and a gentleman against Mm -hmm. all odds. Uh, You know, he'd go on later to do devil's advocate, Dolores Claiborne, Um, you you know, so Ray, (laughs) so this guy, this is a talented, very talented director. Uh, The name of him is Taylor Hackford. And so it's, you know, you know the pedigree of sorts, so it, it, it actually makes sense of why this film is so directed like this. But you're right. The real-world experience of the two performers helps them dig deep and really give a genuine performance in their characters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I just I love how these two played off each other. And, oh, how awesome is the scene later on where they're trying to get Raymond to get Nikolai Nikolai to uh, dance. And so they finally, because they realize you're in Soviet Russia, so cameras watch you um, constantly. So they decide to actually dance. How cool is that dance that they do together?
1: That's amazing. But yeah, they they made it clear that everything was either being listened to or videoed uh, from the time that uh, Nikolai was taken to Ray's house mm-hmm. because Chaiko definitely commented on the on the drunken monologue that he did, yes, but oh yeah, that that <laughs> That dance. That was another part that I just dropped everything that I was doing and watched. It's a privilege. I mean, watching them dance individually is one thing. Watching them dance together
0: mm-hmm.
1: was it is a true privilege, even on screen.
0: Yeah, because they're doing similar moves, but they still have their own style, and it comes through in the dance. And it is. It's one of those things where you're watching two artists work to get you know a, do a collaboration like and you're just like it's mesmerizing to watch you, you mm-hmm. just the way it flows off each other and uh you, uh i saw in the credits gregory hines is actually credited with improv improvography
1: yes he created that he invented that mm-hmm. he is he is uh yeah
0: Instead of choreography, because McHale, of course, uh, did the, the choreography for his parts. But improvography... Not, not all his parts. But not all, the, no.
1: um, uh What was the name of the woman? Um, oh, man. I'm, I, I had her name written down. Uh, Taylor Hackford. Right. No, no that's, that's the director.
0: That's
1: the director. Um, why can't I think of the choreographer's name? She's a, a famous choreographer.
0: I know you're talking about, I, I forgot the name, uh, too. Let me see if I can uh, find it really quick, but uh, if they have it listed. Uh, uh, no, that's uh, additional. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mikhail was additional choreography, uh, but uh, let's see. Uh, choreographer was uh, Twyla Tharp. There we go, Twyla Tharp. So. Uh, Thank you. I,
1: I wanted to bring <laughs> her name up, and then I lost it.
0: it okay. Uh, Twyla Tharp. She's done. Oh, okay. Lots. <laughs> she's, yeah. She's a big deal. She, she is a big deal then. Okay. <laughs> that, that would, that would be why Amadeus, uh, she did before this, uh, hair. Holy crap. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, she's a very, very big deal.
0: <laughs> okay. So, so she, she did the choreography and, and improvography though. I just, I had not seen that term before. And uh-huh. I thought it was interesting. But uh, being a jazz person and uh, Gregory Hines also uh, doing jazz, uh, I, I kind of understood what it was, you know, and I was like, that's a cool term. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think what it is, I haven't looked it up yet. I, I fail. I apologize as a host. I fail. But I think what it is is, is that even though you kind of lay out what you're going to do, it's still some freedom to improv, to... to um, uh, you know, uh, kind of go with the flow, so to speak, and just come up with your own thing. Uh, but yeah, you can see it in his style, and and that that's routine that they do together is just cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we've talked about the guys. What about the ladies, Don? The ladies, oh, Dame Helen Murin
1: and Isabella Rossellini. Introducing Isabella Rossellini. Is, yes, they did. This was her first film. Such different characters. <laughs> and very reflective of the time. Um, very reflective of the time. Just like but the, all the characters really were.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, Isabella Rossellini is Daria. Daria Greenwood Ray's wife. Yes, very much the the poor uh, Russian. Don't wake me. Don't make waves. Let me have my quiet little life, person. Throughout everything, all she wanted was her husband and her family, mm-hmm. and to be left the heck alone. Poor <laughs> woman never did. Well, I probably never
0: did get it. No, never. And, yeah. Well, because Chaiko has things for her, of sorts. Either that, or he just likes using her to get to Greenwood. I couldn't quite gather which one it was. Um, you know, he didn't like the fact that she was with Ray.
1: Yeah, he was definitely. Chaiko was all a lot of a lot of things. I I don't. I I wouldn't call his character evil, but he was definitely a
0: very bad man. He embodied. Um, he embodied all the things that many people determined wrong with russians (laughs) yes in one character yes (laughs) from the racism to the to the uh yeah just he was
1: racism misogyny contempt for anything that was not on the right side of the political line Mm
0: -hmm. yeah but i i also like and it plays into this story later on especially when uh, they finally get some word to the American consulate that Nikolai is actually alive.
1: Yeah, so um, Galena, uh, yes. damn Helen Mirren, uh, again, a different character, definitely indicative of the repressed womanhood, womanhood of the time. Right. Um, but using her very little bit of of power that she had, help the man she still foolishly had feelings for. Um, even acknowledging that he was a selfish bastard.
0: Yes, for leaving her, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Although, again, he did the right thing in the end by asking her to go come with him the second time.
0: Mm-hmm. He's trying to make up for it, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> Giving her a choice at least at that time. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Yeah, because she, she helps actually get word to the consulate through a uh, people. Uh, and this was what was great about Cold War scenes and, and stuff you don't quite get in today's. And I, this isn't a get off my lawn. It's just the different culture and the different way things are, like, you know, political enemies and that are approached. But in this one, it's like everybody's putting up a front of trying to make nice.
1: With... And with these guys, when the, the part of the story that dealt with Galena mm-hmm. um, and the consulates, it definitely had the smack of a of a espionage film.
0: Yeah. It it, it suddenly kind of got a, a bit of element of espionage as you're working in uh the, the, the CIA operatives who again Cold War scene. So the KGB know who the CIA guys are, and the CIA guys know who the KGB are. But they're all <laughs> putting up under different titles. I always loved that about '80s uh, films when you had American and Russian agents like together in the same room. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's being nice, but then you get that that dialogue in there, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, no. If if there weren't cameras or witnesses, they'd be at each other's throats." Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah she does use what little bit of of power she has to get word and so they work on getting uh, uh Nikolai uh, Nikolai and uh, at least um Darya uh, uh to safety cuz they they have a, a connection and they they, they uh stage this ex- escape from uh, Chaiko. and you get this scene where uh, it's very important for Russia to put up a front that they're trying to make nice with other countries. And that plays a part in this this scene we get later on in the film where they're stopped just short of the American consulate and you got Chico caught between a rock and a hard spot. How did you think this whole scene was played out? Did you like the, the tension they built up in this? And, and it's actually kind of nerve-wracking, isn't it? <laughs> it it really was that the um
1: tyler um the director mm-hmm. um definitely had a ta- has a talent for uh tyler hackford uh definitely has a talent for suspenseful scenes because man there was nothing but tense tension throughout the whole thing and then of course the dancing uh and singing song and dance scenes were the the release but wow yeah that that scene where they are almost to the consulate and then they get in a car accident and then they get out and they start walking to the consulate but they're not quite close enough for them to open the gates because they can't really truly see who they are and then chico and his uh Minions show up,
0: and then, oh my gosh. And then then the U.S., they can't technically, politically go through the gates to rescue them, though they're looking at them going, oh my God, that's, you know, yes, Rodchenko. And yeah, because this this is near the end, and if you're wondering where Raymond is, he sacrificed himself in order for uh, Nikolai and his wife to escape. Because uh, Chico thinks suspects something is possibly up. They have a yes, a boombox with yes, a cassette recording <laughs> of them fighting to to put off the bugs that are in their their apartment. They fashioned rope from a rug <laughs> mm-hmm. with a hook, and he, Raymond ends up. Staying behind just so that his wife and his new buddy uh, nikolai, uh, uh could uh, nikolai could could escape, and mm-hmm. it's it's heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> Quite a it, bit. It is. It's heart wrenching,
0: and it's tension filled uh, because Raymond and Chico uh, end up meeting because he's trying to be the distraction, mm-hmm. and so there's a scene where Raymond and Chico are are just having a drink and the guys who are listening to the tape here is where actually uh, continuous play uh becomes their enemy <laughs> yes <laughs> because the tape starts over again and they realize oh no one they they aren't actually you know the arguing was actually fighting and yeah but it this, this there's a batch this whole scene from start to finish from when they decide to actually escape to the consulate to where uh Nikolai and uh, um, Galena, I mean not Galena, um Daria are actually under the protection of the consulate is like a 10 15 minute scene that you are not breathing
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i mean it just so tension filled and i'm just like,
1: oh and, and and i wonder it, it, i i wondered i guess if Part of it is we lived We lived during the Cold War. We know how tense things got. We know how tense things were. Will the younger generations fully appreciate even watching this movie? And I think so because I think they did a great job of it uh, through the score, through the acting, through just everything. I think they did a great job of doing the tension, but I also wonder, is our personal experiences flavoring this?
0: And you know what? I had the the, the thought of that crossed my mind when I'm watching it, because, again, you're right. Having experienced that time period firsthand, not not saying that any experience at the hands of KGB or anything, but... The way the culture was, the way the tensions were so high between Mm -hmm. Russia and the U.S. You got it every day in the paper, in your media, not just this movie. We talked about 2010 that was supposed to be set in 2010. And uh, Scotty D. and I talked about how uh, that film has rising tensions still in the U.S. because it was drawing on current relations and culture mm-hmm. to a, a, to kind of connect with the audience
1: we we lived every day with the threat of nuclear war mm-hmm. between the US and Russia and it, um, it was it was drilled into us so much growing up the, and <clears throat> honestly we've been at after the Cold War ended we've actually been at war mm-hmm for decades at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I don't know how that'll, how younger audiences will feel about, will, will, if it will, I don't know if they'd react the same way. I got to make my kids watch this and and get their (laughs) thoughts
0: on it. I would, I would be interested on it to see if they, what they get out of it, because, Um, You're right. I I do think as well that with our experiences of that time, your brain is kind of backfilling a little bit and possibly adding to the tension that is there. While there is great direction and all great elements that you get normal cinematic built-up tension, Uh there is an added element of the fact that, yeah, we got that constantly. You get all of the familiar beats of the tension between the U S and Russia in here. And that bled the real world experiences bleed into this film, Mm -hmm. um, which yeah, add that extra level that younger folks may not quite get. I mean, I'm not saying that they won't enjoy it, but so here's the question.
1: When, when people who lived our grandparents age, when the people who lived through World War II, when they started watching the movies about World War II, did they feel that ex did did they experience that extra layer of tension just because they lived through it and it 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 added spice to that the experience of watching um, the the old war combat uh, John Wayne Audie Murphy con- war movies.
0: It, it might have. I I can't speak for that. People, I, I but, it's just you know. it's a
1: thing. It's just the thing that makes me wonder. Random random distraction. Random aside. <laughs> no no <it's>, sorry. <laughs>
0: no, it's a good it's a good point though because, uh, and I think they might, but at the same time, if you look at the way a lot of those films that came out right after the war they were still kind of the propaganda machine. So the way they portrayed things in many of the bigger films, at least might not have been as, you know what I mean? I mean, they still get tension filled Mm -hmm. if you experience, but, um, you know, there, there's a reason why saving private Ryan, when it came out, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of world war two veterans that were, uh, you know, They were emotionally moved, but they also, I remember reading an article, a number of them had thanked Steven Spielberg for finally portraying the way things actually had been during that battle and just World War II in general. Because Mm -hmm. during the 50s, yeah, bad things happened, don't get me wrong, but it was still kind of... Painted not quite the extreme or the actual blunt reality that later World War One and Two films, like you got in the seventies and eighties, and then especially Spielberg's film.
1: Cameron. I think in that, yeah, I think in the fifties they were fifties and sixties they were they were still really trying to portray the heroism of the sold soldiers right. and not the trauma that the soldiers actually experienced.
0: Right, unlike you know, the Vietnam movies, which did not hold back at all and came out right after and even during Vietnam. <laughs> that yeah. portrayed Things uh, yeah. quite brutally and, and portrayed the, the horrific things going on, uh, you know, unblinking at all. Whereas yeah. the World War II films, the ones that came out right after were a little more rah-rah, not quite as portrayed as intense.
1: And it was really a difference in how society viewed our soldiers at the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it it may have been fear of rejection, too, because, oh, my God, we can't portray, you know, these Mm -hmm. soldiers in anything but a positive light because, hey, we just won the war, and we can't say, well, you know, we kind of won the war, but we also did these things while over (laughs) there. (laughs) Uh whereas yeah you got the later periods of the 70s where they're like no we're doing all this this all this shit's happening you know and then in the 80s you got no shit happening yet a lot of shit happening but it was far more (sighs) espionage under under false uh portrayals of Uh, working, trying to work together and work things out.
1: (laughs) There was a lot of, holy shit, the world could blow up tomorrow. Let's just all go have a party and do coke.
0: (laughs) As as Andrew would say, the Oscar goes to cocaine because it helped everybody. everybody. There's a reason why the 80s were uh, full of, uh, (laughs) yeah, of self-indulgence. Uh, because yeah, you did have that tension, and there was no other way. And bringing it back around to White Knights, that tension is throughout this film.
1: Yes, it is,
0: and and
1: so and so is the importance of escapism. Right, hence the two main characters being entertainers.
0: Right, because they use entertainment not only for themselves to try to for, you know get over the fact, especially once. Uh, 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 Nikolay he lands in Russia he eventually kind of you know gives in and decides to start dancing because this is a bad situation and Raymond has been dancing to try to kind of forget his situation Uh (laughs) and and his past but also there's kind of a double uh, uh, benefit from them because not only are they trying to deal with their situation and using dance for it but by them dancing and performing it actually helps those who are also repressed under the uh, uh <laughs> the uh, Soviet Union's regime to forget themselves for a while that's why mm-hmm. like you said that's why in Siberia of all places you have a little town theater where you have Raymond performing, of all plays, Porgy and Bess. And everybody's loving it. You know, everybody's loving it because it's escape. It makes them forget for a little while that they're going to be going back to their homes to a cold house with very little food. And, oh, yeah, at any moment, at any time, a soldier could come knocking to your door and put you in a camp and you can't do shit about it.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean... <sighs> yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot... And that's what surprised me, is there's a lot going on in this film. Now, I think I read an article somewhere that said uh, uh, Roger Ebert made a comment of uh, it was a thriller that someone forgot. <laughs> it was a thriller and made a dance movie. Um, but oh, I think, neat. I, I think, um, I think there's still a lot of th- thriller elements in here. It did spawn definitely two popular songs, uh, Lionel Richie's Say You, Say Me, though that doesn't show anywhere in the movie.
1: It's uh, only the ending credits.
0: It's, it's the, the e- theme song e- to the e- movie. Yeah, it's the theme song to the movie. Ye olde we're going to put these songs at the end of the credits type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a fantastic song. And I remember it being but, popular.
1: But in back in the eighties, that was, that was the back in the eighties, instead of having five minute long trailers, we had music videos.
0: Yes, we did music
1: videos uh, to promote our movies Mm -hmm. and say, you say me, if nobody saw the white nights, they knew what the movie was about because they loved the song. Same with separate lives. Yes. Uh, with Phil Collins and,
0: um, Marilyn Martin.
1: There you go. Marilyn Martin. Mm
0: -hmm. And the director of this film did do the music video for (laughs) Lionel Richie. (laughs) Of course he did. <laughs> and, yes, you have Lionel Richie and Phil Collins, which parallels a bit of, you know, Gregory Hines and Mikhail Baryshnikov. Exactly. Um, you know, so you have two songs there. You have two uh, different uh, artists uh, that both, you know, love what they love. So, yeah, it, it is just a really interesting film. And the thing is, at the very end, you're right. You... You feel like there could oh, be... Oh, that
1: ending. Oh. Oh, that ending. I swear, when I saw it, and every time I see it, and and I the first time I saw it, and you think it every time it comes back, you t- watch it again, too. They're going to take him out and shoot him. Yeah. They're taking him out to shoot him. That's exactly what they're going to do here.
0: Because, yeah, that's what we've gotten in the past with films like this, the scene, because the way they edit it, and they do it on purpose, and I could see this is where there's kind of a difference in your cinematic viewing culture today versus back then in that you don't get a five years later or anything. Mm-hmm. You go to... Uh, 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 the uh, Russian agent, realizing he's been, you know, uh, bamboozled, uh, mm-hmm. they get Mikhail and Raymond's wife to the consulate, and then we almost literally cut to a scene where Raymond's in a car with uh, all these Russian Chico, agents, yeah. with Chico and these th- Russian agents, and they're driving out, and he's acting scared because... He doesn't quite know what's going on, and the audience doesn't either. And you don't realize and right away that this is at least months, if not years later. They, they, they said something, they do
1: make a comment about him finally being out of prison, right. but they don't really say how long he's been. I don't recall them saying specifically how long he'd been in prison.
0: No, they don't. They don't, which which I liked, but I could see definitely it putting off audiences today because, you know, it, it, it's just the culture that we have. There's there's kind of a, we'd we like to know more details. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you're not sure, but you know it's got to be enough because he's not looking too hot.
1: And, but I think they also did that intentionally because I think they're implying that he doesn't even know how long he's been in prison.
0: Right, exactly. He, he, once he was captured, uh, you know, he he didn't know how long he's been. He thinks Mm -hmm. they're taking him out into the woods to shoot him. You as an audience are right there with Raymond. Just because of the way it's edited and directed, you've seen this beat before. And this is where I thought was, was also a thing of playing off of past experience in films especially of the Mm -hmm. 80s involving the cold war we've all seen this type of scene before where the good guy is in the car with all the bad guy russians and they're driving out in the middle of nowhere
1: (laughs) and and truly the tone of the film it would have it it would have made sense
0: oh had they done it would have yeah
1: it 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 would have been just fine of an ending It would have been a very, very sad ending, but it would have
0: made sense for the film. Well, because you all, you expected it from past experiences in films and stories, Mm -hmm. the culture in general at that time, the distrust between, you just, the reputation, all of that, it's played off of in this ending, which I thought was great, because yeah, you're it could end either way and it would make sense either way. And you think that yeah, they're gonna take him out, get you know, he's gonna get killed. You're gonna find out, oh, he got killed, you know, some some uh dumb made up news headline of him escaping, trying to escape and he was shot, you know, his wife seen it crying and maybe even crying in the arms of of <laughs> Nikolai, you know, yep. Rodchenko. And it would make sense, given the tone of the film. It wouldn't be a happy ending, not what you want to see, but at the same time... A lot of the Cold War films didn't have happy endings. No, no, especially films like that. You're you're fully expecting the pessimistic ending. So when it shows up that he was actually part of a trade to get him back, I, I found myself, and again, this could be because of just from that time period and and experience it, there's part of me that was very happy at that ending and thought, oh, this is awesome. And at the same time, and you feel it, and it's got to be because of Gregory Hines' performance. And I could be wrong, Don. I'd love to hear your thoughts. At the same time, you're thinking, oh, man, they gave up a Russian (laughs) (laughs) agent. He, you know what I mean? He's being rescued, yay! But at the same time, it means all—that oh, means they get one of their guys back. Damn. But uh.
1: but the thing is, um, during the during the inter, uh, during the exchange, mm-hmm. um, while Raymond is hugging Daria and still trying to uh, adjust to the idea that he's free (laughs) he's actually gonna live yeah the soviet union um uh nikolai is like you know you can pretend all you want but you know you you lost you you're the one that's losing in this exchange yeah because because raymond's more valuable than the prisoner we just exchanged for him
0: yep he he does give that he does give that uh kind of smile to the uh, Chaiko and he's just like yeah you know what yeah yep. y- you guys we we got the better end of the deal on this yeah
1: so they don't they don't necessarily say why he's more valuable they just come straight up and say you know what you got you got the short end of the stick on this exchange mm-hmm. you can pretend otherwise but you know it and
0: Chaiko doesn't deny it no he doesn't and also with this exchange in that you get the feeling that he he'll at least be able to live in the U.S. a little bit without too much animosity for having defected, um, mm-hmm. you know uh, because of the fact he was there for uh, a while, at least in prison and he had done his, uh, you know, <laughs> if anything, you, you, for lack of a better term, penance uh, for defecting the U.S. in the U.S. eyes, you know, I think...
1: Well, and the
0: implication being that
1: he was being exchanged as a political prisoner.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. It, it was fully politically, yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was a political thing, so...
1: So, as, I, as we're chatting about this, I just realized something that I want to backtrack a tiny bit. Yeah, sure. Um, When one thing I do like one Mm -hmm. thing I really appreciated that they did that probably that may have been done differently. Had this been a modern film,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I I mentioned earlier that they didn't do a lot of humor in this. I mean, there were some humorous parts, but they didn't do straight up humor in this. Mm -hmm. And in a Correct me if I'm wrong, but in a more modern film, they would have, when Raymond stayed back with Chaiko to let uh, Nikolai and Daria escape, and uh, Gregory Hines is, uh, Raymond is sitting there as Chico hears the the audio recording of uh, Ray and Nikolai talking, and Ray's kind of looking scared and not really knowing what to do. And and then in a panic, attacks Chico. In a more modern move, me, movie, wouldn't you think that they would try to pull off a, a a cocky smile, kind of? Yeah, I did that. Screw you.
0: Yeah, I could see, I could see that. I could see them maybe uh, playing that. That I, way, because
1: I would, I would think that in a more modern movie, they wouldn't want to make their one of their main heroes look afraid.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, that's one thing that is consistent throughout this is that both our main characters, uh, Nikolai and Raymond, are terrified. Are terrified constantly. Yeah. They, they 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 show bravery where needed to, but even in their just day, just sitting there in daily, they are terrified. As is Raymond's wife. You know, <laughs> for mm-hmm. for good reason. But it shows. It's not covered up by any type of machoism. It's not, you know, which which is... Well, oh, go ahead.
1: Even the one part that I can think of offhand that was even somewhat humorous was uh, the 11 pirouettes for 11 rubles and the kind of cocky dance after that. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a little bit humorous, but they immediately sobered up.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a little bit of a dancing pissing contest. Mm-hmm. Um, which was something that ran across my my mind in this dawn. Um, and I I hope I don't sound horrible in saying this, but I f- think, and and this is in a good way, we have two heroes here in the mid eighties, two male leads who are are dancing. It's not exactly equated with your male archetype back then, especially for a film that's got the espionage thriller type of angle to it. And here they are dancing, not like manly dancing. They're interpretive dancing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily equated with your typical male stereotype film character. Am I off on this? You, you get what I'm trying to say? With? You're not wrong, and I'll go a step further. Both of them are people of color. Yeah, they're... They are not both non-white. You, you have two leads who are non-white in a mid-80s film, and in fact, the majority of the cast... I mean, you have Helen Mirren, who must have been going through a Russian phase because she was playing a Russian in 2010. So, mm-hmm. um... But, yeah, your two main leads are not Caucasians (laughs) Mm -hmm. in a mid-'80s film, which another kind of makes this film kind of stand out. And the name White Nights actually comes from the idea of the long days you get during the winter months. Uh, It was winter, right? Or was it summer? No, winter Um, months, correct? Or is it the summer? Yeah, it's winter. I forgot winter. which. Yeah, winter in Siberia to where the sun is out almost all the time. So you don't get really, you don't get any night scenes in this film, which is well, weird. well, you do, but you have to be told. Well, yeah, that it's night, right? I, I mean, but visually, you don't actually get any night scenes mm-hmm. either. Which, uh, you know, that's where the so you, you know the film is called White Nights, and that's because of. The the Continuous Daylight, and yeah, your two leads. So it does make this an actual, while it is a window into the 80s with some of the, you know, with the U.S. relationship, the stuff they do in this film was different than a lot of films of its time. And I found it fascinating, and that's why I'm kicking myself for not watching this film a lot sooner. <laughs> and
1: you see why I insisted on being part of this chat.
0: I, I am so glad you were, and I am so glad... I was in my crazed fury of weeks of planning our 52 degrees KB for why I was motivated to do it. I'm not sure, but I'm glad I did because I was able to work a film of this nature into the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so not my usual. No, it's, it is, this is not, not your exactly your wheelhouse of, well, well, Many might be used you know associate you with as mm-hmm. far as your genre of film, and in all honesty, the reason I never watched this was because this wasn't in my wheelhouse, especially when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And now being old, um, and watching it, this is a phenomenal. This is a it really is. This is a wonderful yeah, I, film.
1: I, I saw this at the theater. When it was released for my birthday, I saw it around the same time as I saw Rear Window, uh, with the same friend. Oh, nice! And we did a lot. Of, we saw a lot of movies together back then, but <laughs> most of them I don't think about, or sure. Uh, well, it's not that I don't think about it; it's just that they weren't as memorable mm-hmm. as those two specific movies.
0: Yeah. Well, this I know. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll end up watching this again because. Uh, yeah, I. I like sitting here knowing 80s films, watching this, it's like this stands out for so many reasons Um, Mm -hmm. in positive ways. And it was nominated for two Academy Awards, both for original song, both the Separate Lives and Say You, Say Me were nominated. And Lionel is Academy Award winning Lionel Richie. Um, There was one other
1: nomination, but I forget what it was for. I read about it but I forget what it was for. There that, was
0: a third nomination. Uh well according to Ibidim, uh that uh the for academy awards it only had two nominations which was the two songs. Oh. But Golden Globes uh yet yeah, Lionel Richie won again there uh but both original song and original score were up at the Golden Globes and then um Separate Lives actually won. At the BMI Film and TV Awards, so the music, a lot of people remember, uh, but it's uh, it's a shame this film doesn't get talked about more because there's yes there are these uh, somewhat extended dance scenes which, let's face it, Dawn, I've got Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines in a movie together. Oh my god! By God, I'm gonna have some dancing, <laughs> and and and. You know,
1: watching each again—I said it earlier—watching each of them alone is a treat. Watching
0: the two of them together is a damn privilege. Right. So of course you're going to have extended dance scenes because you may not get this opportunity ever again as a filmmaker. So, mm-hmm. so those who say, "Oh, well, they we got a lot of dance scenes," yes, there are, and they're amazing. And deal with it. Um, so I think we'll uh, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say, I think we're going to wrap it up for uh, the evening. Uh, so uh, I hope this wet people's whistles to, to seek this film out. Um, there's, I think a lot of good stuff in here. If you're looking for a decent, pretty much straight up drama that, yeah, does have some elements worked in uh, this film fits the bill and it's such great performances and it's, It is a shame it's kind of gotten lost, I I feel, over the years. Well, maybe we can bring it back. Maybe we can. I hope so, Don. So who would you recommend this to?
1: Everybody in the entire universe.
0: (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. And I will say yes uh, for dance enthusiasts, uh, new dance enthusiasts who like dance, check it out if you want to see two fantastic artists. A uh, great performance by Helen Mirren. Everybody involved does well in here, and yeah, I'd recommend it to just want anyone who likes just a really oh
1: my gosh, awesome
0: film. huh?
1: We forgot. We forgot the actual only comedic. I I mentioned comedy a couple times, but I I never thought to mention the actual only comedic relief in the entire movie. Oh, wait, go ahead, John Glover. John Glover, yes. <sighs> How could we forget John Glover?
0: We, yeah, you're right. But, uh,
1: but the thing is, he exudes comedy. I mean, it, it's like breathing for him. But even his comedy was tense.
0: In this film, yes, it was. Um, not quite a role you expect to see him in, but...
1: No, uh, I'd forgotten he was in it until mm-hmm. I started watching it. But yeah.
0: John Glover. John John Glover in it too, and adds a little bit lighter with his portrayal. I, I think
1: Scotty D might have died had
0: we not mentioned him. Yeah, he might have. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> he might have been screaming through the through the through the radio. What the hell? Uh, through through the computer. <laughs> yeah, to mentioned John Glover. Yes, John Glover as the CIA agent um, who helps. We haven't
1: uh, talked about the CIA agent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know, right? I, I I missed the fact that it was John Glover. I'm I'm horrible. Oh, That's it. Uh, I wow. quit. I we're done now. No more fifty-two degrees. That's it. I just I failed miserably. Oh. Uh, oh. But, uh, so yeah, folks, seek this film out. Yes, um, do. And so we'll wrap it up. And this is where I give my wonderful crew person. The License to shill. So, Dawn, I know what you're going to plug. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, because I'm not going to. Well, I'll mention in the audience.net, okay. but I haven't updated it because I've been too busy previewing uh, submissions for the new Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Fest in beautiful downtown Oshkosh at the time community theater.
0: Yes, second weekend in October, folks, it's coming up. They've got a lot of submissions in and more coming in all the time. Going to be an exciting time. Excellent plugged on. It is a fun time and we will as always be there uh or be square. Uh <laughs> so yes, the New Horror Film Fest, newhorrorfest.com. Uh if you want to go check it, it out and see what previous years have also been, uh, you know, what we've had there in the previous years. So, great, great plug there. And there you have it, folks. We've gone another degree in the year. And you'll need to stay tuned because our next film coming up is going to be The Cotton Club. And you'll have to find out how that one is connected to this film. So, stay tuned. And now, until uh, next time, we'll just say a good night, everyone. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmark productions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh but we do spoil the movies